News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, Saskatchewan. I'm Rick Van Davidek, and this is Garden Talk. Well, this week has been incredible. I guess that's the only word I can give it. And it looks like this next week we're going to be even more incredible with the, with the temperatures sounding like it's going to be up in the mid to upper 20s again. So lots of time to get outside and enjoy the fall and enjoy the color of the leaves and uh, also get out there. Maybe maybe some people are getting tired of gardening, but I, I don't think people that listen to this show would be getting tired of gardening. So great time to get out into the yard and even do some more. Uh, I've been in, in the past little while, been adding to my drip system out in, out in the acreage. And uh, so I've been enjoying this weather to be able to work on the ground and be able to hook up those irrigation lines. And so it's a great time to do all that. So now in the fall, it's a great time to, um, to get out there and, and plant the tulip bulbs if you haven't done that yet. So it's a great time. There's lots of time for them to root out and enjoy those uh, the colors again in the spring. So both the tulip bulbs, your daffodils, your crocuses, and all those kind of other fall bulbs that you'd put in. And uh, even your, your garlic is a great time to put in garlic. You have the really great garlic the next year if you plant them in the fall. So it's a great time to get those in the ground and uh, get them established so that they can have a great um, color for next spring. So we have here, uh, I guess we have some text coming in really early. Some people are really on the ball in God. So here I have here a Scott in Alvina. I planted two shrubs and a tree and have several oaks and pine trees that have been struggling. Is it too late to give them a good drenching? It's a good question. Uh, one thing about you can do with, uh, especially those plants when they've been so warm, is that you can just basically probe the soil. It's too early to give them the really good soak yet. I like doing that around the middle of October. Uh, so here we're only talking about the, the very beginning of October yet, so I like doing it about the middle. But with this warm weather we're getting around Saskatchewan, um, you want to be able to probe the soil, and especially for the conifers like your evergreens and those kind of things, you want to make sure that there's some moisture in the soil. So I always say use that piece of rebar, a 3 8 piece of rebar, because you can poke it in the ground and it brings the soil, those ribs on the rebar, bring a sample up, and then you can check the, the moisture. So as long as they're moist, enough moisture to keep them alive. That's the best thing, because with this kind of heat, they're actually going to be transpiring. And, uh, and the same thing with you have uh, oak trees, uh, if they still have their leaves on, then uh, you can just give them enough moisture, just keep them alive, because I want them to get ready for uh, for for wintertime. I don't want this crazy weather we've been having; it's so warm to to sort of confuse the plants and make them start growing again. I don't want that to happen, and uh, so uh, you just want to keep them enough moisture to keep them alive, and then after that, uh, um, just just give them a good soaking around the middle of October, because that's usually. Usually when the temperatures are going to probably, I would think, are going to switch around. Um, so that's what we can do with, with that one. And we have um, another text message here. It says uh, from Ken uh, in Regina, I put coleus cuttings in water. So a lot of people changed every three days the water uh, for two weeks and no roots. What next? So coleus... Um, Usually it takes, it takes about two, two to three weeks for the plants to really get rooted out. So you can, you can check that. Otherwise you have to make sure that, I like making sure that, uh, there's a little, you'll see where the, the, where you take a cutting, there's a little node comes out where uh, another leaf comes out of the main, out of the stem. Uh, you want to leave about a quarter inch below one of those little nodes where the stem comes out because that's where the roots is going to come out. Another thing you can try too is you can use a little Jiffy 7, uh, little, um, 
It's a peat pellet, basically. You put it in water and it expands up. And you can use a rooting hormone number one, or it's called stim root number one, and a rooting hormone, and that'll make it help root better. And then you just have to keep the the um, the top of that um, that coleus or other cutting you have um, misted and keep it moist. And uh, and some people will put a little tiny greenhouse over top of it to help keep that moisture there, but keep misting it. And then, again, in about two weeks' time, it should root right into that Jiffy 7. So another thing I got here is um, I have another one that um, got the wrong mouse in my hand. Here we go. <laughs> um, I put down new sod about six weeks ago, and the sod supplier says I should use a high nitrogen fertilizer this fall. I don't think it's wise. Uh, some advice. So when you're using uh, a fertilizer, um, you don't necessarily have to use a high nitrogen fertilizer. I like using, uh, a f for this time of the year, you could use a fall fertilizer or even a plant starter fertilizer. So a plant starter fertilizer usually has a higher second number, higher phosphorus, okay? Uh, another one that's good to use to get your plant started is um, uh, a, a fertilizer that actually is made in Saskatchewan. It's called Groundskeeper. And it is, uh, one thing I like about Groundskeeper, it only has a 16 nitrogen, but it has, there's a 10 phosphorus. And then it has around a, a 7 uh, potassium, but then it has a 17 sulfur and about a 3 iron. And so that sulfur will help um, change the uh, pH of your soil, which a lot of our soils around Saskatchewan, not all over Saskatchewan, but quite a bit of the Saskatchewan, the soils have a little bit higher pH. And so it lowers the pH. The plants can take up the nutrients better and get established way better. Um, of having very good success with that fertilizer because it's right made in Saskatchewan. So that's a good one to use as well. So... Another thing that I've been getting a lot of people uh, asking and phoning me into the garden center about is uh, they've been saying that they've been seeing their spruces have been very, uh, getting needles have been getting very brown. And so when you get the needles very brown uh, in the inside, it's cup usually from a couple things. Number one, it's been from the stress from the summertime. We've had such a, such a warm summer. But with that warm summer comes uh, a lot of insects. And the one that's been causing the main problems with spruce trees has been um, spider mite. Now, spider mite is just, it's, a, it's not the regular spider that you see in Charlotte's Web where it's, it's putting a web from branch to branch and, and catching lots of insects. These are just little microscopic. You almost need a magnifying glass to see them. It's a spider that, that w goes between the needles and puts its webbing between the needles and sucks on the needles. And then usually from the bottom, inside, up and out, that's when you'll see the results from that. And especially this year, this time of the year, you'll see the the, um, the needles turning the, that color. Um, and so the way you take care of that one is that uh, make sure that you keep your tree moist. And of course, with the spruces uh, this summer, sometimes we haven't got the moisture to them because if the moisture's there, it can combat what the insects are sucking back. The other thing you need to do is you can use a product called either spray them down with water, cold water. Spider mite don't like cold water. Or otherwise, you can use an uh, 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 insecticidal soap. Uh, that works okay, but probably the best one if you got a real bad infestation is using malathion. And uh, just make sure you go by the instructions and um, wear some gloves and uh, respirator, and that's the best way to, to take care of that one. So the other one that problems with the brown we see a lot is uh, is is with needle cast disease. Needle cast disease is, uh, you'll see the, the needles turn brown more to the tips of the branches, not just in the center. 
And uh, so that's been a huge problem, especially down in the Saskatchewan area. But I've been getting calls from all over the whole province. And Needlecast, if you want to look it up, you can see what it looks like. Just Google it and you'll be able to see what Needlecast looks like. And if you do that, it spreads like crazy. It's spread down a whole row of trees. And you have to use a product called Bordeaux with that one. And Bordeaux, um, uh, it's copper sulfate. And you've got to spray it basically... With the warm weather, you can still spray it now. Even for the spider mite, you can still spray it now with the warm weather. The in, the insects and the fungal will still be active. But then next June, spray it three times 14 days apart. And then that way you'll be able to suppress it. Now, some people say, how do I spray a big tree that's 15 feet tall? That's a little tougher to do. And uh, so you can either use... Um, uh, uh, a hose end sprayer to get up part way. Uh, you can use a, a, a car uh, pressure washer sprayer. And what you do is you put the, uh, mix up your, um, your product into a big barrel, use a submersible pump, and then supply your gas powered or electric powered uh, uh, pressure washer with the water right to where you normally hook up the water to. And then it has nice mist. You can shoot up nice and high. Or some of the farmers have been actually using the plane or a helicopter because they've been spraying the fields. They just put some copper sulfate right on the plants. So we're going to go into the next segment here. We've got a caller on the line, so we'll get to that one right after the break here. I'm Rick Van Davidek, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan, and thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, I want you to join us here on the call or text, and you can give me a call at one 332 8255 That's 1-877-332-8255. 8255. And that's either call or text. You can join me the line, just like Raiden did here. Raiden is here. Uh, join me on here, the call. And so your question from Foam Lake. Yeah. I have a bathtub that I planted strawberries in this spring, and yes. they've grown all summer. Actually, they're really nice right now. Could I put them in a heated garage for the winter, or is it better off to try and winter them outside? Uh, you could do either one. You could put them into a garage, but a garage should, more should be around the zero, not any higher than plus five. Okay. Oh, okay. That's what's best to do with your with your uh, with the strawberries, or okay. you can transplant them out into the ground. Okay. Okay. And then cover them up with some mulch, really heavy. Okay, and then you can oh, transplant yeah. them next year back into the garden, into your tub, if you want. Okay, but, but not leave them in the tub for the winter. You you could, but not in the tub out. No, it can't be left in the tub outside. No, you have to. If you're okay. going to bring that tub, you have to bring it inside, because okay. that tub sits too high off the ground, and the yeah. the horizontal frost will get the roots, and the plants yeah. will not be alive next spring. So you'd have to actually dig them out, transplant them into the ground, mulch them, water them in really well, mulch them really heavy, and then tr- take dig them out next spring and put them back in the tub. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I just thought I'd better check. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. And we have a caller here from uh, Sedley, Sam. Good morning, Sam. Thank you very much. Hi. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. You have a question about your garden? Yeah. Is it uh, recommended to use farm fertilizer? Uh, you can use a farm fertilizer. Uh, what I would suggest you do is do a pH test, which you probably maybe have done out in the, in the fields already, and check what the pH level. Because what you what I've recommended to a lot of people do around their around their their shelter belts and in the garden and around the farm is uh, is checking their pH because if their pH is low, then using a fertilizer that has a sulfur base to it. Okay. 
Okay. So, and so you want to be careful. You don't want to go. Um, some fertilizers are like 11510 is probably too high of a phosphorus. You don't need to use that yeah. high of a phosphorus. So, and, and if you don't want to put a, a 40 nitrogen on your garden either, that's just too heavy, okay? So, yeah. but you can. You just have to be careful of, of how much you put on. Okay, thank you. Okay. And, You're welcome. And also my roses. Your roses. Uh, yeah. your, your question when about the roses? When you can keep, yeah, when can I cut them back? Okay, if you're going to have, that's a good question. I've had that call a bunch of times this week. And basically I say, when do I trim back roses? Um, if it's a tea rose, I'll trim them back uh, about the middle of October. And then I'll, then I'll mulch them heavy, really heavy right up over top of the plant. If it's a hardy rose, then I don't even trim it until spring. Because I want to leave all those branches up there to catch snow, so that it it protects the plant more. So I like to I like to prune the roses in about the first week of April. If I if I have a hardy rose, if it's a tea rose, I'll trim it this fall, cut it in half, and heal it right over. And your roses, okay. your hardy roses, you can trim them back a third to one half next spring. Next spring. Next spring in in April, beginning of April. All right. Thank okay? you. You're welcome. Yeah. And we have from uh, just outside Saskatoon, we have Pat. Good morning, Pat. Hi. So I live at Cedar Villa Estates, and in the past, a lot of us have been feeding numerous deer that live in the acreage next door to us. Then we found out with a few dead deer around the area in the hamlet, we shouldn't have been feeding them what we are feeding them. So we're going to stop doing that, all of us. But I'm wondering, how do we protect our little... Uh, spruce trees that are maybe a foot tall from the deer. We've planted about 15. My dad used to call them volunteers. They just popped up. Right. And we replanted them. My husband was thinking maybe ice cream pails with the top cut out with mesh. Like, I think they're going to stay around and they're going to eat whatever they can find. Yeah. So the problem with using ice cream pails is that it, it can collect heat too much and, and then also right. melt the snow away from it. I don't like doing that. You can use a mesh. That's fine. Uh, you can use anything just to keep the deer away from them. I mean, once we get snow, they're going to be covered up anyways, right? And so they're going to be, right. they're going to be covered up and protected. But it's those times when they're not. And um, right. so the best thing to do is like some kind of covering or you can use um, a products called Bobex. Or, that doesn't work out here. It didn't work out there. No, okay. I tried it on my hostas, and they just came along. It was weird. This year, they didn't touch my hostas, but all the years previous, they've eaten them off. <laughs> yes. So I don't think that'll work to, on yeah, those. And, and in, the, in the summertime, it's important that you, because if you turn the sprinklers on, you wash it off, right? And right. so in the wintertime, it stays a lot longer because you're not having rains or anything else washing it off or sprinklers turning on, Okay. So yeah. you could use that, but the best way is just putting a little tiny little cage over top of them, and then that'll keep the the deer off of them for sure. Are you f- familiar with a product called Plant Skid? Yes, Plant Skid is another one that that will work good as well. That, that won't that, damage the tree. Yep, it won't damage the tree at all. That might be better. Okay, okay. thank you for your time. You're very okay. welcome. And we have here from Regina, we have June. Good morning, June. Good morning, Rick. I I love your show. Thank you. I have a a peace lily plant that has stopped blooming, and I'm not sure what to do with it. I've had it for about a year, so I'm not sure if it needs to be transplanted or what kind of vitamins or um, fertilizer I should be giving it. Yeah, just use a, a, a basically a house plant type of fertilizer, and if you want them to 
to really bloom and, and better it's put a little bit of um, alfalfa pellets on, around the base of the plant or actually make a tea out of alfalfa pellets. That'll, oh, okay. that'll give it all the other micronutrients, which your soil doesn't have because it's a soilless mix, right? It's just peat moss and ferrolite and vermiculite right. and that kind of stuff. So you give it a lot of more of your fertilizer. But otherwise, just a houseplant fertilizer and also a little bit of that uh, alfalfa pellet tea. And right. uh, and also, uh, your peace lily is in, in a totally dark spot or is it in, in lights? In Does it have some light? It's in light. It's in light? Okay, yes. so so that's good. And so I think if, how, how long is it? How big of a pot is it in? Probably about an um, eight-inch pot. Eight-inch pot, and is yeah. the plant fairly large in that eight-inch pot? Does it look like it's bigger than what the pot could be in? Not really, no. Because okay. they, they like to be a bit root-bound, so that's fine. And okay. one thing they'll do is that uh, a piece lilies can be a little bit on the moisture side, not really wet or anything of like that, but a little bit on the moisture side. Okay. Oh, okay. And so probably if you give them a good watering, uh, so what the best way to do it with the peace lilies is water them really well, and then don't water them again until you can stick your finger in as far as you can fit your finger. Okay. Okay. As far as you can fit your index finger into the soil, and if it's if it feels dr- dry, then water thoroughly right through the bottom of the pot again, so the water comes oh, out okay. through the bottom. Okay. Sure. And then that okay. way it'll go through a cycle like that. But yeah, if you for, give us some of the fertilizer, there's probably not much nutrients left in that pot. And uh, by using a houseplant fertilizer like um, Schultz's fertilizer or even a, a 2020-20 is a little bit high. I like using something a little bit lighter than a 20-20. And so okay. use a Schultz's houseplant fertilizer and a little right. bit of the alfalfa pellets, and I think you'll have a lot, lot better success. Good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And so we have, uh, here we also have on the text line, um, what's the, good morning, Rick, when's the best time to take cuttings from my taller poplars to root them for the spring? Um, this is from Tina. Uh, I like taking the cuttings, um, there's two ways you can do the cuttings. You can take them in, in the fall and then put them into a, um, put them into a fridge and they should be about pencil thickness, or otherwise you can take them in March as well, and then there again, put them in the, in the fridge, and then keep them dormant, and then, um, and then just plant them into the, in, straight into the ground of the taller poplars if you want. Uh, they should be about six inches long, and have some nodes where the leaves come out of the branches as well. And, uh, or otherwise, with taller poplars, you can also take softwood cuttings in the summertime using some of that stem root number two or number three, on them as well to root them into a jiffy pot or something like that. That works well. So also we have here, um, is it too late to transplant a potted uh, English ivy into an outside flower bed? Uh, English ivy, uh, uh, I would, if it's an English ivy, then it's not going to survive outside, so you don't want to do that. You want to keep it in the garage or somewhere like that. If it's a, like an uh, an I, uh, like an Engelman ivy, then you can transplant them outside, or a Virginia creeper, then you can plant it outside right now and just mulch it heavy, and it'll be great. So that's the end of this segment. We'll catch you again on the next set of after the news. And I'm Rick Van Damendijk, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Damdijk and uh, I'd like to give this call or text at 1-877-332-8255. 1-877-332-8255. And you can do the call or text 
And we've got quite a few callers on the line. But one thing I just wanted to talk about first is that I had a couple of texts in to, uh, asking me about, because I recommended about the fertilizer, the groundkeeper, or just fall fertilizing. And you can do that anytime in September or October. And just make sure if you can, if you can water it in right after you, you put it, you put the fertilizer down as well. And so that's the best time you can do it anytime right now because most people still have their sprinklers on. And so put it down and give it a good watering and then you're set for this fall for the plants to, to be able to get ready for wintertime and then have great lawn in the spring. So we're going to go to the calls right now. We have Dave here in Saskatoon. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning. And I do enjoy your show. Um, Thank you. I talked to you earlier about a, uh, I had troubles with a Saskatoon bush that had, uh, looks like the berries had COVID, their little yes. furs yes. discolored. Uh, I'm just wondering what I can do just to get it ready for next spring uh, with a good uh, pruning uh, help or yeah a pruning would help but also cleaning up all the leaves okay oh the leaves as well clean eh? up the leaves uh because it has the fungal those leaves will stay down the leaves and be underneath the snow and be protected and then uh and then you want to uh be able to clean them all up and don't put them in your compost get get them out of the yard okay okay that's important so you're not going to get them all but to get get as much as you can okay okay and then uh next year what you want to do after they finish flowering Okay, is that you can spray them also with some Bordeaux, okay, oh. and then that'll help as well. And if you want, you can also spray them with a, a, a horticultural oil before the the leaves even bud. In this, so you do that about the third week in in, Ap- in April, okay. You can use a horticultural oil, which will suppress a lot of the fungals that might be staying on the branches, and that'll help as well. But the Bordeaux after they finish blooming, and you do it three times, uh, that'll help a lot as well. Thank okay. you very much. You're welcome. Have a great day. And we have here um, Helen in Wadena. Good morning, Helen. Oh, hello. I was just wondering, I, I, I have a burn, two burning bushes, and when did the leaves turn red on those bushes? The, the leaves should be turning red now uh, with, the, with the way the fall color has been coming. If they're staying green, mm-hmm. they either don't have enough sunlight, okay, because mm-hmm. they, if they if they're in in a lot of shade, the, they're they on the s- east side of the house. Yeah, so. so they just need a lot of sun. So they're being shaded from other trees and that kind of stuff around. No, no. They won't turn color, or you're keeping them too moist. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then uh, so just in once once you get to the end of September, uh, uh, the very beginning of the, the long weekend of September, mm-hmm. uh, slow down the watering and those type of plants. Okay, get them ready for winter time, and they'll turn color for you. But if they're still really green now, yes. they should be turning a brilliant red by now. Okay, so slow down the watering. Mm-hmm. If you if you can poke probe the soil if it's really wet, mm-hmm. just aerate it a bit around so dry out the soil, and that'll help them change color. Because I don't like seeing them go into a really hard hard frost with all the green leaves still. Okay, mm-hmm. it's harder on them. I mean, burning bush are really tough. Uh, but it's just better for them not to do that. And like I said, the other time they won't turn really red is if they don't get very much sunlight. But on the east side, you should be fine. Yeah. Oh, do I uh, water them well for the winter, like? Yeah. Or? Late, later on, toward the toward the end of October, before the ground starts to freeze, mm-hmm. take a pail of water out there because you'll have your hoses all turned off by then, right. and just give them one last good drink then. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And we have here we have um, Lionel from Saskatoon. Good morning, Lionel. Yes, I got uh, dahlias. I planted this year the first time, and they're supposed to be 30 inches tall they're about some are five or six feet tall and they're right on the east side of the house and they're still really green i just wonder if they're gonna they've got to stop watering them to get them to shut down yeah. and to S- dig them up or slow down the watering Dale, you said dahlias or dale lilies 
Uh, dahlias. Dahlias? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. What you want to do is that you can leave them out and enjoy them still, okay? Um, what Before we get some really hard, hard frost, before the ground starts freezing, if the top gets pro, if the flower and the plant gets frost on it, that's fine. Yeah. You don't want the bulb to get frozen, okay? So okay, yeah. leave them out there as long as you can. Now, if you get... If we get, uh, we hear on the radio that you, we're going to get some pretty hard frost, like, you know, below minus five, then it's time to dig the, bu- the bulb up, okay? Any of your s- summer bulbs, your, your, your dahlias or your, your, um, your callas or canna lilies, all those kind of things, dig them up, but don't take the top off them. Lay them down, either hang them or lay them on a, on a piece of paper and let the top dry down by its, on its own, okay? Until that, that means the energy will go down into the bulb, Okay. okay. And yeah. then once the top is totally dried off, then you can trim that top off, and then you can store your bulbs away for the for the winter time like you normally do. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And we have here um, from Saskatoon, we have Matthew. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning, Mario. Very good. Your question for okay. me. Uh, I would like to know how I would overwinter peppers, being that they're in a container. Okay, and I've grown them since spring, and yeah, just so you could you have them in containers, so you can bring them indoors. Uh, now, if you're going to have peppers, if you wanted to grow peppers inside, um, now the only thing is that they they might start getting in that container. They might start getting um, like root bound in that container, so you might have to transplant them. Okay? okay, and you're going to need some places where you're going to need some light. Okay, so you're probably going to need a grow light if you want to grow peppers inside. Okay. Although, otherwise, what you do is, if you, if you don't want to, if you're just holding them to last until next year, you're better off to start a new pepper seed in 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 basically in the hot, especially the hot peppers, uh, starting them in in February, and the sweet peppers you can start in March. Okay, you start seed again, and you'll have you'll have a better crop by starting that new seed than holding that one plant over. Okay. So, but okay. if you want to keep growing them inside, then you're going to need a, a grow light, and you need at least 12 hours of, of the light to be on. So, put it on a timer, and have it come on for 12 hours if you want to produce fruit inside the house during the winter time. Okay. But okay. You don't recommend cutting cutting it down right to the stump. Uh, no. Nope. Letting it grow. Yeah, it probably won't probably won't work that well. If you do it that way, you can trim it a bit on the top. But if you cut it down to the stump, uh, it probably won't sprout again. It's most likely won't. It, it may put up a sprout by itself, but peppers don't normally work that way. If you cut it right down to the ground, then they'll just basically diminish, and then you have to start again. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're have welcome. A great day. Have a good you too. Thank you. And we have Brian. From Saskatoon. Good morning, Brian. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Love your show, man. Thank you very much. Um, I've got a couple of huge uh, birch and spruce trees. Yep. When is the best time to trim those, like uh, prune them? Can I do it now or do I have to wait for spring and when should I give them their final drink of water? Okay, final drink of water is any time in the last half of October before the ground freezes, okay? And so that usually is around then. Uh, you're starting to get late for pruning birches. If you're going to prune birches, you can still do it like this weekend. And after that, I wouldn't do it anymore until okay. next, next, basically until after the leaves come out full size. So which is basically the end of June next year. Okay, okay. you can start pruning them again. The spruce you can do right now. It's not a problem. And, uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're dormant now. So you can do the spruce right now. It won't be a problem at all. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. Have a great Bye. day. That brings us to our next break. So we'll, I'm Rick Van Domdijk. You're listening to Garden Talk and 650 CQM and 980 CJME.
Good morning, and I'm Rick Van Davendyke, and this is Garden Talk. And I'd like you to join me here on the show, uh, either by call or by text, by calling one 332 8255 That's one 332 8255 uh, Right now we have Rose in rural Saskatchewan. Good morning, Rose. How are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Thank you very much. You're very good. Um, my question for you today is: um, We built a covered. We live just west of Saskatoon. Our soil is very sandy, and we built a covered garden this year. So it's a greenhouse, but only I plant in the soil. Yep. And we had some compost hauled in, and then we had a load of fifty-fifty manure topsoil. But I think it must have been clay because the ground is really hard, yep. and it gets very gumboy when we water it. Yep. Is there anything? that I, we can add to the dirt, or what do we do to make that dirt more looser? Okay, there's, there's, there's a couple things you can do. You can add, you, for adding amendments, I suggest if it's that hard, adding gypsum and also a, a, a cedar mulch. Okay, a put cedar a, mulch? Yeah, put a cedar mulch in because it, it doesn't break down as quickly. It stays there. It has all these little fine sticks in it. And it, okay. all the sticks break up all the clay particles, and so does the gypsum. Okay? okay, and so if you put the 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 put the gypsum down according to the instructions, it'll be right on the bag how you put it down. And the mulch put about an inch layer over top of the garden and rototill it in. Okay. Now, also if you have a hard um, uh, what I call a hard subsoil pan, okay, which is if, if you've been rototilling your garden all the time or working it up, you have a pan that's down at, at the where the bottom of your tines would reach. Let's say on your rototiller. The best thing to do every once in a while that's really hard and your garden will do a lot better is if in the fall, like right any time now, from now on until freeze up, dig down below that pan. You probably have to do it with a shovel or something like that. Dig it up and turn it over and you'll have these big lumps in your, it'll, you'll make big lumps basically. And what happens is if you do it in the fall, in the spring breakup, the, the frost will break up all those lumps and break up that hard pan and then your plants will have better drainage and better, do a lot better as well, okay? Okay. So there's a couple ways you can do it, but but if you want, the biggest thing I do is add gypsum and some some cedar mulch to it, and not chips or nothing, but just mulch. Okay. Okay. And it has all those fine sticks in there, and it'll do a lot better for you. You'll have. Okay. And do I I add the gypsum now? Yep. You can do it now or in the spring. It doesn't matter. Either one of them. All right. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay. Bye now. And we have Tom in Choiceland. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing there? I'm doing very well. I'm starting to learn all these little controls and what to do in, in the studio here. I'm getting yeah. better. Well, hey, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> started figuring out last week. <laughs> Thanks very much. But I just uh, wanted to know, I can't remember what you said, when you're going to bring uh, outside plants into inside, yes. how to get rid of the insects. Huh? Okay, so number one is that if you, if you still have an inside, make sure that you isolate it from other plants. Don't ever put it right beside the other plants. And if you have to bring it into the, if it's too cold outside, bring it into the garage and get some insecticidal uh, soap or what uh, the best one really works good is called Endol. It's called Safer's End All. And it's canola oil, insecticidal soap, and a little bit of pyrethrin. And you got to spray the undersides of the leaves, the top of the leaves, the branches, everything. Okay. And then that'll coat all the bugs. And then you'll, 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 if you do that, once now, and then you do it again in about 10 days' time again, you'll get rid of most of the insects, okay? Because I wanted to bring them into the garage for now and yep. then bring them into the house. That's right? a good thing to do. Start, start spraying them before you bring them into the house, okay? And you've got you to give yourself about at least 10 days because you've got to do two, at least two sprays, okay? 
Okay. And then if you can't, if you don't have a garage to bring it in, someone else is listening, uh, you have to keep them isolated, keep them away from the other plants until you can do your spraying. And you can do your spraying in the shower or in the bathtub or wherever, okay, if you don't have a garage where you can do the spray. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. And we have Bill in Kenora. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Rick. Your question. Yeah, I've got an apple tree uh, that we found on a property that is uh, got a lot of growth around it. The tree's half dead. Okay. Um, the part that's alive produced some big apples this year. Yep. Not that many, but um, when can I prune that back? Should I do anything else to try to save that tree? Yeah, you can basically prune all the dead branches. The dead branches you can prune any time of the year. Okay, if they're dead, they're dead. So just prune them anytime. But otherwise, if you want to do some pruning on the other part of the tree, I like doing as soon as the leaves at least turn color, okay, or, or start to fall off, okay? And that should be pretty soon. It, it, normally, I do a lot of my apple pruning in, in the month of October, okay, okay? And, or in the month of November. And also, I prune also in the month of March or the first week of April. Okay, you can do it any time like that. So I like doing mine in the fall, especially when you get some nice weather like this. Uh, you can give them a pruning, especially cut all those dead wood out of it. And uh, and then if you want to shape the other other part of the tree, make sure that you're you're cutting out any branches that are crossing and and uh, and or any branches that are really you know go, forking off and going into two and really high. I don't like to cut the top down too much. I like to thin the tree rather than cut it down. Okay. okay. And what about watering? Watering, just slow down the watering now, especially if the leaves are green. You want them to turn color, okay? And yeah. just get, you probe the soil, give them enough moisture to keep them alive right now, especially when we're talking about this week in, in the mid to high 20s. And so uh, just keep it, make sure you probe the soil, make sure just keep enough moisture there but not wet. And then in about uh, the second or third week in October, give it one last good soak. And there's quite a bit of wild growth around it, shading it. So should I cut that stuff all down? Yeah, if there's suckers coming from the base, you can trim yep. that. You can trim that off any time now. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay, we have here um, uh, from the text line. We have here. I have two cherry trees still in full green and no sign of changing color. Last year. Um, some straw, so there again, they're changing, no sign of, uh, of changing color probably means that they're too moist. So probe the soil and make sure that you, um, uh, if it's too moist, if it's really wet in the soil there, probe the soil a bunch of times and dry out the soil a bit and, and it'll be good. Also had a couple calls about hydrangeas and some new hydrangeas coming in and old ones. Um, I like to leave hydrangeas. I don't like to trim them down in the in the fall. I like only trimming off the old flower heads, okay? And when I'm doing hydrangeas, whether it's a new planting or old planting, and then because then all the other branches will hold, will catch the snow. And what will happen to any of those branches that are sticking above the snow, so snow, sometimes they'll be fine, and sometimes they'll die back to the snow level, which is fine because in the spring, I'm going to cut it back to a third to a half anyways. And then that way, where you trim them back, They'll, wherever you trim them, they'll divide into two branches and have twice as many flowers next year. And so um, just make sure that once you, next spring, starting around Mother's Day, start fertilizing the 30-10-10, get lots of growth going on there, and then you'll in the summertime you'll have just tons of flowers. So that, that's a question I've had quite a few times th this last bunch of week is about hydrangeas, uh, but when to prune them, and so um, uh, that's that's the way to do it. Uh, here's a good one here. This is a good fun one here. Ted from Regina Beach. I'm going to read this one, Ted. Something tor terrible has happened. All the leaves are falling off the trees and I have to pick them up. What caused this? 
That's a good one, Ted. <laughs> so so uh, we'll move on from that one. And uh, um, what's the best time to take cuttings? We did that one. And uh, is it okay to prune green ashes now? Yes, absolutely. You can prune green ashes. Most of them are turned color or, um, or also um, um, have turned color or have dropped their leaves completely. Poinsettias. Here's a good question. I have a poinsettia, and what do I, I had it outside for summer, and now I'd like to know what the procedure of turning it red. Okay, so right now, if you have it inside, what you want to do now is that once we're into October now, is that now you need to go to 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of total darkness. So total darkness means putting it to a closet and putting a towel underneath the door so you don't get any kind of light at all for 12 hours. So that's the way you take care of a poinsettia and get it to bloom next year. Well, that's been a great show. We've had lots of calls, lots of texts. Uh, thank you for calling, and uh, join us again next week. I'm Rick Van Dijk. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.